On this episode of Crescent and Palm, we're going to talk to DeMarco Williams, host of the Living Inspiration podcast, talking about where he gets inspiration from and how to derive it, how to feel more fulfilled, and what we need to do in order to get past anxiety, depression, um, and things of that nature. We're also going to talk about how closely our jobs are related in security and a couple other things to stick around. So, again, we're here with DeMarco Williams, host of the Living Inspiration Podcast. How's it going, DeMarco? It's going pretty good. Can't complain. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, <laughs> DeMarco and I have known each other for what he said was about a year and a half on his podcast. We uh, just did his not too long ago, um, and now we're going to go ahead and do mine. Uh, DeMarco and I both are in security. I'm in cash logistics, and he's on uh, facility security. And I uh, just wanted to talk to him today about, you know, things he's doing with his podcast and what he's doing with work and how things are going um, and what are some of the differences between our jobs and the certifications we have to have. So, uh, DeMarco, tell us a little bit about who you are. Well, right now I'm in this weird state of life because I'm a college student, I work full-time, and I also record music. So, I'm one of... I guess what you call one of many talents. So, so just a, just a man of many talents, jack of all trades kind of thing. Are you a master of any? Um, the music I'm still kind of learning. College, this is my third attempt, so I won't say I'm a master at that. My job, considering I've been there for six months and I was runner up for captain. I say I'm doing pretty good with that. So. Yeah, definitely so. Um, so yeah, the uh, I guess the first question I want to ask you uh, for you to tell our listeners is, what is your podcast and what is it? What is it really about? And why are you doing it? So my podcast is called Living Inspiration. What it's about is it hits on several different topics such as depression and how to find. Um, how would I say this? Try to find the good in everything that goes wrong in life. When you, because when things go wrong, you can always find some kind of good, and you can use that to brighten your day or somebody else's day. And down the road, it can go for a good life lesson to tell your kids and your grandkids and your great grandkids and so forth. So, when it comes to inspiration, uh, what what really drives you um, as far as that goes? Well, what drives me, I would have to say, is the way I was raised and things that I've been through and things that I'm currently going through and seeing every day. So, that's why I try to get my... That's why I try to get everything from that um, that I speak on. So, so where do your where do your thoughts of inspiration come from? 
like, uh, how do I ask this? Like, what is your thought process a lot of times in order to find out what you want to do to inspire people? Like, where do you come up with what you say? Usually, I'm just out and about, and I try to. I'm one of those people that's very observant, and what I'll do is anything that I see that could be that I could possibly make a topic out of, such as the one I just did on relationships and my past experiences in relationships. I just try to see, okay, what have I been through? What have others been through? What have I seen others do to make their relationship work? And what can I tell others? And how can I put that into play to get it for a snowball effect? So, so really, it's the the inspiration just comes from from life in general. And so, like, what you do is you kind of you you take the thought processes of what you've been through, what others have been through, and you kind of like, I guess, condense them down in order to make it a little bit more relatable and understandable. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Um, so, I mean, we're I'm going to give you some hard questions. Uh, this might not be a very long podcast because you don't seem to want to talk a lot, buddy. Um, so, I, I guess you know this one. This one's going to take a lot of thought and requirement out of you. Um, and this is in no way attacking you. I just want to get people to understand what you're doing and why you're doing it. So, uh, why do you think you have the ability to inspire others? So, from I wouldn't say it's because of popularity that I got when I was in high school, but it's kind of where I've been through a lot of stuff that no child should be put through, and when it came down to it, I just wanted to try to make a change in the world, and I know that if I want to make a change, it has to start with me, and I can't I can't hold it inside of me because if I want to make a change but I don't how can I say this and I don't act on it then it doesn't get done nobody knows about it except for me what good what good does that do for anybody else out here it does absolutely nothing so why do I feel like I can inspire others it's pretty much because You you know that I'm a Christian and I volunteer at the church. Mm-hmm. And if you looked at my past, most people would be like, he has no reason serving in a church, being in the position that he's at. And, you know, I was what they considered to be a troubled child when I was growing up. I've had many run-ins with the laws. Luckily, I've never got any kind of charge on my background. So That's, that's always a really good thing. <laughs> very. So, um, I always said that I want to be a singer. And the reason why was my mom inspired me because she was a solo singer and she actually got offered a contract. But she would turn it down because of me and my brother. And that's so my inspiration comes from 
my family and it just grows within me and it also comes from my church family and God and my friends. So. So you, so you think the ability comes from the from what other people have poured into you and kind of kind of helped you through it kind of gave you a, a way to realize like hey I've got uh, I've got a lot of words to use to, to help others out as I mean yeah right yeah and like when it like when it comes to my music you know you see you have a bunch of young people that want to become singers, want to become rappers, but when they do it, all they really rap about or sing about is what they wish they could have or game banging or anything. I, When I make songs or write poetry or whatever, it's all about what, it tells the story of where I came from, what I've been through. Like this new song that I'm working on called Innocent is then it changed up on me, but it actually fits what um I've been through as I've been in relationships and I was very loyal and the girl I was dating went out and told all these lies on me saying that I was cheating on her and that I was gay and all other types of stuff. Any, anything she could do to kind of tarnish your image so she looked better kind of thing? Pretty much yeah. because... At the time, and that's when I was, that's when I was fully trying to give my life to Christ, and she did anything that she could to make anybody and everybody turn against me. So, so how did you handle that? So, I was always told everything. You can't control what what goes on around you. You can only control how you react to it. Now, I will say I'm, I've struggled with anger issues in the past, and but when it came to that, it had to be more of a calmly matter. So I just had an attitude of if they want to believe it, they can believe it. But the people that have known me for years... They know otherwise. So, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing with me. I think the older we get, the more time we've had to reflect on the things we learned when we were younger, and we start to realize, like, oh, that's what that meant. Because you know, when when your parents probably told you this, like, patience, patience is a virtue. You didn't know what the fucking hell they were talking about when they said that, right? No, I did not. <laughs> like when they said patience is a virtue, I'm I'm sitting there like the JG Went Wentworth commercial is mine, and I want it now. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think like we have that problem as a as a society right now, especially our our age group and our culture. Um, so I, I think that you know we we definitely have to realize that other people's experiences can help us learn and change our own experiences. Um, so what did you what did you learn out of what happened in that, and how did that make you more in, how did that make you more prone to want to give others inspiration and help them through their issues and trials? So, what I would have to say is, um, so I guess um, what I learned the most was that anybody, even people that don't know you or those that say they got your back, could at any moment turn on you to make themselves look better. 
and try to make themselves how would you everything uh, how would I say this they want to have the center of attention and the only way how they can do that is by people are now they have I hate to step on people's toes but same time I kind of don't they have such so such low self-esteem that they um the only way how they can make themselves feel better they have to bash somebody else and when I was going through that yeah I took a little time away from all social media for a little bit and I also decided you know what while I'm taking this time away I'm going to write up this next video on how to do this and when I while I was doing that people were messaging me and everything it was like they would message me the streets are hungry and what they <laughs> what they meant is hey when you drop another song when you gonna drop another YouTube video or whatever um and it and I would tell them you know, I'm working on something, but don't expect it to be out until maybe three, four months from now. So when it was when it was time for it to come out, nobody was really. Everybody was kind of expecting it, but I would drop it maybe before I told them or two weeks after the given date, and that was pretty much so that I could get the audience that I needed to be drawn in to listen to what I had to say. Most people, like if you can tell, I'm moving my hands around as much as <laughs> every time I say something. Yeah, I do it too. And it's because I have ADHD and there's something yeah, I... Same here. Yeah, it's a fun that, thing, right? <laughs> it, very fun. And, you know, there's something I hit on and Depression is also something I hit on. So, I learned that anything that I go through, if it, no matter, no matter if people like it or not, there's always somebody out there that will relate to it. So, yeah, I think um, I think a lot of people definitely need that because um, I, I suffer from really bad anxiety and depression, and then I've also. Um, got PTSD from some issues that happened to me in the last couple of years and so it's been it's a wild ride um so I guess I guess my last question about uh your podcast really is uh why an inspiration podcast why not something else because there's there's so many out there um and so many people doing them what sets you apart from them why would you make one and what makes you different so with the reason why I would do an inspirational podcast is, like I said, I'm no master when it comes to certain stuff. Podcast is one. I've done podcasts on sports before. Not my forte. Uh, <laughs> you know, you got you got to know a little bit about every sport if you want to do a sports podcast, not just football, but American football. It is. Um, but 
so I decided to do this living inspiration because you know what most podcasts try to do is they try to force something me on the other hand I don't force anything I don't claim to be the this inspirational guru or somebody that can help change your life with five easy steps only for the price of forty nine ninety five every <laughs> month. So I tend to and I tend to hit on things I've been through and that's what most people that has these inspirational podcasts don't do because I've listened to some, and some were actually, while trying to be inspirational, they were actually bash another podcast or somebody famous or even the poor or the middle class just to get their name out there. So that they're more selling a product than they are trying to actually take care of issues that are happening. Correct. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I kind of see that too, and I'm not naming any names. There's no reason to. Um, so, I mean, really from what you're saying is you're just, you're kind of living life and you're just helping people walk through it through some of the things you've already been through and you just kind of want to share your perspective on it. Um, that's, that's really cool. You know, you don't hear that a lot. Um, most of the time the people that do that kind of stuff are doing regular podcasts. Um, one of my favorite ones, Matt Diavella, he doesn't really, he, he just wants to interview people and let people know what they can do and you know the things that they've learned from it um and at the very end of it you know you kind of get something out of it like hey you know i'm not alone in some of the issues that they have like i remember he did one podcast um with somebody that kind of that dealt with uh feelings that they just were never good enough and uh they they worked really hard and then they realized that people actually really cared about what they were doing and so he was like yeah man that's that's really cool um and i it kind of made me learn something about myself like hey the more i the more experiences i have the better the better i feel and the more i realize like hey i'm doing something right here and people want to hear it um so that's just that's really cool how yours kind of lines up with that but you're actually putting your stuff into the inspirational section of the podcast um applications and uh and directories um whereas a lot of those are just if you you know if you buy a product for 49.95 a month uh we'll be sure to send you inspirational beads and uh your own you know inspirational you know uh t-shirt and and coffee mug every single every single year is a christmas gift and you know make sure you spend the extra 22 dollars a month for this and this and this and so it's it's really refreshing to see somebody that cares about people and not about their their own wallet um so that's really cool man i appreciate that from you So I guess the the final thing that I really wanted to ask you about was what most people kind of tune into this podcast for is more of the tactical aspect of it. Um, I just kind of wanted to give them a breakdown of other things like, hey, you guys aren't alone, Um, civilian, contractor, military, uh, retired, former, discharged, whatever you are, um, LARPer in your mom's basement and wearing your full airsoft gear like uh, Grand Thumb always tries to say just to be funny. Um, So we're, we're... we're a team no matter what we do and that uh you've got other brothers and sisters out there that care about the issues that you're going through and so like it it's hard to admit when we got issues but it's better when we do because we're able to get help for it and and live a live an easier or not an easier life but a uh 
a more normalized life. We're able to get the help we need, and we're able to become stronger than we were. Um, so I guess let's move on to the last couple of questions. Um, so you do a centralized security at a facility, and I do cash logistics. So tell me a little bit about what you guys do. So pretty much what we do, I tend to make jokes because, you know, even Paul Blart got a little bit more power than we do. <laughs> but uh, all in all, it's a good job. So we have a lot of temps that come out there and come to work. We have to sign in every temp, issue them a badge. Um, any visitor that comes on site, of course, before they can come to the gate, you got to make sure they have a um, an appointment already set up. Because if they don't have an appointment, they have to be turned around. And if we get those people that are very aggressive at times when they are told, no, they cannot enter, yes, yes, we do. What can we do? We can ask them to leave. If they refuse to leave, then we write, then we... Um, call the facilities manager and he tells us that he's either on his way or go ahead and call the police and lock it down. We are not allowed to touch them until they put a hand on us. So if they get ready to strike us, then then at that moment we can defend, yourself. defend ourselves. Yeah. But you have to use the same force that they're using. You cannot go with this yeah, like if they if they kind of show you, you can't just pull out a pull pull out a, a haymaker and knock them right in the head kind of thing, right? Yeah, you can't come out with this um Brock Lesnar type offense <laughs> trying to suplex everybody every, and everywhere trying to elf five them. There. Oh God! You can't do that little ground and pound and stuff like that. So yeah, I can I can understand that. I think um I think we have a, a lot of the same. Thing, especially both being in South Carolina, um, our big thing is you know we're we're armed, and so I drive lots and lots of cash around every single day. Um, I've had as little as a million dollars. I've had as much as fifteen to sixteen million dollars in my truck at once, depending on what we're doing. Um, and I've never never really run into too many issues. We've had uh, one where a guy hit our truck, and I tried to say, "Hey, you hit our truck." I can't step out, and I was like, "You know, let's go ahead and." get this settled and stuff like that he became very hostile and i had to pull my gun um just to show him like hey i am armed and i'm not going to take this you need to back away because he was about to get out of his car and come after me and the only thing i can do to protect myself is of course pull that firearm because if i get into a fist fight i'm probably going to lose my uh, armed security license um so i think that the, the biggest part about that is we kind of have the same we we don't have as much leeway as police um where if they've feel threatened in any way shape or form they're able for the most part able to pull their weapons and start using it right off the bat whereas we have to take a lot of extra steps um we can't become the the what's called the aggressive party we have to be the defensive party no matter what um so i would say we're a little bit more in line with the way the military's uh oh god what's the word i'm looking for um good lord uh, rules of engagement that somebody has to attack you first before you can attack them um, and so, I mean, we've had issues, though. We've had to fire people over that kind of stuff because, you know, we had one guy pull a uh, <laughs> pull a gun on a mail carrier because he got to the gas pump before he did, and he pulled out his gun and told him to back up. And so that guy didn't last very long at all. Um, but, yeah, so I, I do know that the way we do things are a little bit different. So, like, if – so tell, tell me a little bit about 
that story again that you were telling me about that person that slipped by security and kind of you know without naming names telling company names or locations or anything like that kind of kind of walk us through what happened and what that caused for everything to happen which incident uh the one you texted me about where the uh the lady didn't check him through and uh he went to work even though he'd been fired so wait 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 hold up you said which incident yeah. which oh my god okay well let's go over this one we'll just stick to this one so this session has passed almost tomorrow will be a week that it happened um so we have like what we call this area 51 which is getting fenced very quickly hopefully but um pretty much if they don't feel like coming to the guardhouse, they can be dropped off and they can walk right by us. We're supposed to call in to the other security officer, but considering that I really didn't see it because I was dealing with incoming traffic, he was able to get by me and just walk straight into the building. That being said, that means that he walks through the grass while being dropped off in this separate little area and not coming through my lane. So he walks in and he sits in the, so he can get in through the first set of doors. Second set of doors, he has to be bashed in. But with that, he has to, um, he doesn't have a badge because it's already terminated. So he, so he piggybacked off of somebody else to get in is what happened, right? Correct. When the um, plant workers bashed him in. Since he didn't have a badge, he signed in, and all the time that he was signed in, he was looking around and trying to make sure that no security officer was there to notice him because he had got terminated the day before. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't find out until about zero nine, so about nine o'clock that morning that he was on site when the facilities manager called me. And what that does is it set off a snowball effect. So when he calls to me, I have to tell my boss and then we have to call my my boss's boss. And the first thing I tell my boss's boss is, hey, this guy got on site. What do we need to do? He said, send the officer home that was supposed to be at that post. Well, when that happened, um, this officer kind of, we was only going to send the officer home for that day, and they was going to be able to return back on the following Monday. But they decided to throw a little temper temper tantrum in the parking lot and call our head boss the biggest asshole she ever met. (laughs) And that was grounds for automatic termination along with liability because this officer said that they would sue. Well, yeah, and I mean, and also it's clearly her fault because she allowed somebody on site that... She was supposed to be the catch-all for anything that could have gone wrong from the first check-in point, and she she didn't 
even make an attempt to stop them. So, I mean, what happened with that worker, too? Are they under review or did they get terminated? Do you know anything about that since they let them piggyback off their badge? When it comes to somebody that works for the plant directly, we get no kind of word on it. Yeah. Um, it'll just be... But it's still under investigation, so if they do get terminated, we'll find out about three to four days after the termination. Yeah, kind of just to let you guys know. So that kind of stuff doesn't happen again, yeah. Um, I think with us, like, we, a lot of times we're, we're supposed to call the cops or we're supposed to notify our supervisor as soon as possible. Sometimes, a lot of times he'll take care of stuff. He's he's okay at a lot of things, but there's some things where I just think he's an idiot. Um, but again, like I said, you know, earlier, he's leaving. I'm not really worried about it anymore. He'll be gone by the end of November, and I know the guy that's taking his place kind of understands a little bit more and is more more apt to actually take care of things the way they need to be done. Um, but, like, I had a uh, – we were servicing a, a bank, and we serviced their ATMs on different days, and so – we were going to service the bank, but the ATM was opened up, and there was a guy standing there, and he had, like, a green vehicle, and he was just wearing a regular jacket and bundled up, and he was messing with it. And I thought, oh, man, somebody's gotten into the ATM. He's going to open up the safe soon on it, and he's going to steal all the money. So immediately what I did was I called the police. Well, thankfully, when they got there, he pulled out his badge and everything, and I was like, oh, man, he's a tech. I feel really bad that I even called on him. But, I mean, the guy wasn't even in a work van, and he just didn't have his badge showing or anything. Like, I know it was cold, but at least pull your badge out of your jacket. Um, so, I mean, like, in that instance, like, we kind of have to do what we're supposed to do. We don't really know. We're, even though we're security, we don't know everything. We don't know everybody. We kind of have to play it by ear just like anybody else would. Thankfully, we have standard operating procedures that keep us from from going above and beyond what we need to do. Um, but, I mean, like, uh, with us, you know, we, we have the ability to defend ourselves because we're carrying lots and lots of money. Um, so we have firearms, whereas you guys are kind of in that limbo of like, hey, if somebody pulls a knife on you, you're prob- or a gun on you, you're probably just going to have to give up right then and there. So, I mean, how does that factor into to your job? Like, do you ever feel um, a little bit vulnerable, or do you ever feel like, you know, one day something bad's going to happen because we're because you're not armed? At times I do, but um, also we have it to where they're not allowed where we're stationed at, like our guard house, they're not allowed to come inside. Um, if they come inside, you immediately tell them to get back out. Now, what they're supposed to do is stop at the stop sign and walk up to us. Most times they don't. And not naming names, but, you know, it's been times where I've been able to sneak up on other officers on duty because they're leaving the door wide open. And I'm trying to show them, hey, you leave the door wide open and you're not paying attention. Somebody can immediately sneak up on you and do whatever they want to. Yeah, like our, our big thing is keep your head on a swivel because we always have to be looking out for everything. So it just it kind of seems like some of the issues you're running into are people just not completing the job like they're supposed to exactly. Correct. Yeah. Um so I guess let's finish it out with uh, the difference between unarmed and armed. Um, what did what all did you have to do in order to get your unarmed certifications? So I had to take um, regular. I had to do video training for what a security officer stands for for my company. Yeah. And so so a company standards video is what they they wanted you to do. So what did what did you do for state certification? I actually had to, um, everything that 
some of the videos that was within the company um, was also for SLED. So you never knew which one was for the company and which one was for SLED. But you had to watch all videos before you could even go for on-site training. Yeah. When you go for on and when you watch those videos, after you watch them, you have to take a test. And you have to pass that test with at least an 85. Yeah. So. Um, for us, for the armed, we have to, of course, we go through some of our company training. Um, but our, norm, our number one thing is when you come, like for me, I'll just, use, I'll just use what I went through as an example. Like we started out, you have to be 21, of course, because you have to be able to carry a firearm but purchase a pistol. Um, so I came in. For the first three days that I worked, all I did was drive. I wasn't armed or anything. I just all I could do was drive and sit in the truck, and my partner could jump. And anybody that's outside of the truck that's delivering money has to be armed. So at that point, I could not touch money. I could not service an ATM, a bank, or anything because I wasn't able to protect myself. Um, and it's not really to protect the money; um, it's just to protect ourselves. This uh, is number one: ourselves, the customer, and then the money. Um, so, like after that, after a about a about four or five days i finally went for my sled training so we'd do the eight hour class probably like you did in order to get your sled certification um and then i had to go to the range and i had to shoot uh 50 rounds and it had to be i think it was a 90 percent or higher and then i had to make like a 90 on the test as well i got 100 on the shooting um right-handed left-handed uh two-handed magazine change um, we don't have as many as many crazy things to do as the North Carolina certifications are. Like for them, you have to like run and duck down and shoot and get up and shoot and kneel and shoot, and it's just a whole lot of movement. It's almost more like a combat class than it is anything else, which is really cool. Um, but like for this, you know, you have to do that. Then you have to wait however long it takes for your sled card to come in before you can actually carry your firearm. Yeah. See, for y'all, once you've taken the certification, you send it off. You can actually start work though, correct? Because you're not armed, but you it, you're more of a training. You can't really take control of a situation until you get your card, correct? Correct. But when it comes to our sled card, you um you have to keep that on-site training paper. Lord knows where mine is at. But um and your sled card just in case sled does decide to pull up. And you can't. Work. So 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 essentially, while you're waiting, you just at least have to have your on-site training and your. And your, like, I guess, a receipt that you sent that other stuff off to SLED, right? Well, the operations manager would have that since he's the one that sent it. Okay. So he'll have a copy of that. But um, all you got to have is your paper showing that you've done your on-site training. Okay. So, I mean, that, that'll pretty much cover you until that comes in then. Correct. But you have, you, you can only work on site for 20 days. But because it takes about eight days for it to get to the mail, they add on a. It's almost thirty days that you can work on site without your card. Yeah, that's how it is for us with like the. Um, oh God, what am I trying to say? With renewals, um, you have up to a month after it expires in order to get your renewal card. But for like for us, like we have to send that off. My my first branch manager before he was uh, before he was made to leave, um, didn't send mine off for like two weeks. 
after I did it. And he was like, oh, snap, I didn't do any of this. So, like, the, like when I took my test, originally, whatever you tested with, whatever pistol you used, is the pistol you had to carry at all times. Um, now, South Carolina changed it to the caliber. Um, so, if I was, uh, I was certified with a 9, so I could carry any size, any, any style of 9 there is, single stack, double stack, any of that. Um, as long as it's three and a half inches or longer. Um, if I wanted to, I could come in there with a uh, with a seven inch revolver that's chambered in nine millimeter Luger. If I wanted to, that'd be pretty funny, I think. Um, but I mean, it just it kind of comes down to that. And so, like, you can't even you can't even carry a firearm until you get that sled card, um, which is which is definitely a good thing. But it, um, there's just just a whole lot that goes along with that. Like, if they ever pulled it up and be like, you know. Um, like, if they come up on y'all and y'all don't have both of those pieces of paper, you can get in a lot of trouble. Or if they ask you for them and you can't present them within a so, so long of a period, then it becomes an issue for us. Like, for us, too, like, we, um, if they say, you know, hey, we don't know what weapon you qualified with. We need to see your paperwork. And so I'd have to go dig out of the trash, or not the trash, uh, my file folders. Um, like, what weapon did I, did I you know, uh, certify with, present it to them and they can look over everything, look at my weapon, look at my sleds card and be like, okay, yeah, you're still good. Um, like I was under investigation also for pulling, uh, my firearm on that person that caused that, uh, that hullabaloo or whatever that happened at the ATM I was talking about when I said I pulled my, uh, my pistol. Um, corporate security was investigating me. Greenville County was investigating me. Uh, about a month and a half later, corporate security called my new branch manager back that's about to leave, and they were like, hey, you know, uh, did anything ever happen with county? And county, he was like, county never said anything after it. I think it, everything's been dropped. Um, I've asked them questions since then. They said that, you know, nothing's came of it. Um, so I think they realized that guy was kind of in the wrong, and so there was nothing that happened from it. So corporate security's like, yeah, we're not going to worry about it anymore either. Um, but that's the last thing I want to do is pull my firearm on somebody. The only reason I have is just to protect myself. So if I happen to be in that situation, at least I'm not going to, you know, die without a fight. Um, is there, I mean, is there anything you want to add about um, your job or how you bring the inspiration to your job maybe or anything that's on your mind that you want to let the listeners know about? No, not really. But I try to, I guess... Even though I've been there the second longest, um, I do take charge when I see that it needs to be fit. And we're going through this new transition, so it's a fairly new crew. So I'm trying to get everybody on the same page before we make this change on the 23rd. So, Gotcha. All right, well, uh, DeMarco, I want to thank you so much for being part of the podcast today, and thanks for letting me be a part of yours not too long ago. Um, where, if people want to be able to find you, uh, where can they find you at on uh, social media? They can find me on Instagram um, or Facebook. So, so uh, what's what's your uh, what's your usernames on uh, what's your username on Instagram? Demarco Williams official. So at Demarco Williams official, and what about on YouTube? At YouTube, it's just Demarco Williams. Okay. Um. I guess that about wraps it up, uh, but I do want to spring some surprise questions on you uh, really quick and try to give me your quickest, you know, 140-character uh, answers, you know, like a tweet kind of style um, as you can. Try to make it a quick lightning round question. So the first one is, uh, what is what are three of your biggest fears? Um, heights, drowning, and being in another car accident. 
Uh, if you could change anything about the way that your job does things, what would it be? What's the one thing you would change? That's a multi-layered question, isn't it? Yeah. Um. All right. And let's just say, if you could, if you could tackle one thing right now, what would it be? The tension that's going on between um, some of our older workers and the younger work. Yeah, that that happens. I think with us too. Um, if given the choice between a million dollars. Or a definite hundred-year lifespan. Which one would you choose? It's a good question, isn't it? You didn't expect that one. Oh. Uh, unfortunately, I have to say the million dollars. Okay. Because you'd you'd rather rather live life the way it's presented instead of being guaranteed something. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Um, and I guess the last question is, when it comes to when it comes to decluttering life, because you know I'm I'm moving toward minimalism myself. What would be your number one tip for you know getting rid of, especially from where you're coming from? What's the best way to get rid of negativity, in your opinion? Um, best best way of trying to get away from negativity is one you got to figure out. What's bringing on that negativity? And then you got the... If it's coming from people that you're hanging out with, then you need to stop associating with those people. So pretty much just cut it right then and there. Don't don't let it affect you at all? Pretty much. Okay. Uh, and um, I guess the last question I have is... So to anybody suffering, let's just say with the things that I'm going through, depression, anxiety, and uh, PTSD, um, what would be your... Uh, one phrase you would tell them to help them to help them what would you what would you say to tell them that they needed to do to get help it's not easy but you know you gotta you have people that care about you so you you gotta utilize those that really do care about you because if they care about you as much as they say they do they're gonna also help you get the help that you need um, and especially, uh, I think, you know, moving from that, people that don't have the help um, and don't have people they feel like they care about them. Um, I know it sounds kind of cold and heartless, but you, you got to know that there are systems in place um, with the government, with, with health care, that people are going to help you. You can't be denied um, medical help due to lack of insurance or anything like that. So if you go in and you have an issue with suicide or with PTSD or depression or anxiety, get the help you need. Um, you may say you don't have enough money. Um, the number one thing you got to realize is nothing is, is worth as much as your life. So the moment you get the help you need, the, the quicker you can get back to living a somewhat regular and normal, normal life. Um, and just know that if you guys ever do need help, you can always reach out to Deme- me or DeMarco. I'm at McCright, M-B, M-C-C-R-E-I-G-H-T, M-B, and that's on Instagram. And, of course, we've given you DeMarco's handles. Um, we're more than happy to talk with somebody if they need help um, and help them find out what they need to do to get help. So, uh, again, DeMarco, thanks so much for being on the podcast. And uh, we just want to thank you for giving up all your time and coming all this way to come talk to me as well. More than welcome. All right, well, uh, again, 
to end this podcast as we always say don't be dumb and uh have a great night and have a great morning have a great everything uh pretty much just don't be a piece of shit and have fun